0: beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week, we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like travel- Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. We are sitting here with Kenya Evans, a content writer and online English teacher who is currently living in Medellin, Colombia. Kenya took the leap of faith back in 2013 and headed to teach English abroad in South Korea. But like many of us, she outgrew that position and decided to dive deep in the self-employment world where she worked as a freelance copywriter and journalist. She can be found on her YouTube channel called Kenya Right Now, that's W-R-I-T-E Right Now, when she chronicles her journeys abroad. Her works have been featured internationally through Trail Malaysia, Black women living in Southeast Asia. She was able to maintain this lifestyle for about four years until the economy went sour, and she found herself back looking for work. Now, Kenya, I know you were headed to um, the Middle East, and you were supposed to be living in Ademoman. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that
1: Journey. Not as strict as some of the other parts. And it was by the water. And it was also very close to Bahrain, which is like another um, Muslim country or island. And they are not as strict. Women don't have to wear a bias. They have clubs. You can find alcohol there. So a lot of Saudis would go there on the weekend or however often to party or get loose, you know. There was a lot of double, double life living in Saudi. (laughs) It's like how you present yourself in public. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like what goes on behind closed doors because Saudis are very, very private. Uh, What else was I going to say? Yeah. So, but what happened is that, and the reason why I was going there for a year contract and I only stayed for months because the uh, job placement company that I was working with did a bait and switch. I thought I was going to Damam, this place. It was like 45 minutes from Bahrain, you know, all these great things. I knew people there, got there, and they were like, oh, your plans have slightly changed. We're going to send you to Abha. Abha sounds like what it is. Like It's a small town, super conservative, uh, really no expat community there. And it was close to Yemen. And at the time when all the drama with Yemen was going on, I was just like, This is not a good idea, but I kind of felt like I was between a rock and a hard place. So I ended up trying to stick it out, talked to myself into sticking it out to see if, you know, things would work out. They did not. (laughs) The company that I worked for was horrible and the office culture was very toxic and strange. Um, There were a lot of women from different countries like Pakistan, um, Syria, Egypt, what am I forgetting? India. I think all these different uh, countries and these teachers were just not nice at all to the new teachers that I come in. It was like three or four of us. And honestly, it was just one of the most toxic environments, just very competitive, very catty. Everybody talking about each other behind each other's back. That part was terrible, but I really enjoyed my Saudi students. So working, I worked on an all-girl campus, um, and within the campus, you know, the, the girls were allowed, and actually it was against the rules to wear an abaya, so they could, you know, be seen without their abaya on. Um, apparently, at some point, a, a man tried to get into the campus wearing an abaya, and so that's why <laughs> there's, like, no abayas on the campus. But yeah, it was, how I would describe it is, like, subdued living, Because we did have to wear abayas. Some expat women chose not to wear the hijab uh, in public, but I did just because it wasn't a big deal. I just kind of wore it loosely over my head. But going to school, I would wear the whole get up. I would wear the hijab, the niqab, which covers your face, as well as my abaya. But yeah, the culture there was really interesting. Um, A lot of the women, their favorite pastime was going to the malls. So that's what they would do in the evenings, go out, walk around in the malls, hang out, shop. Yeah, and we would have to be not escorted everywhere, but drivers for sure. We had drivers who would take us from point A to point B because it was frowned upon to have um, for women to walk alone. If you walked alone, you just opened yourself up for being targeted. I'll put it that way. Jesus.
0: So this was kind of like a vast difference from South Korea. Yeah. So, but it's interesting because despite, you know, some of these experiences, you know, you continue to try, you continue to be open. And so you've lived in three different countries. Were you ever kind of nervous about just moving from country to country? Because some people, they're like, they get really comfortable. And then, or, you know, if something doesn't work out, they go back home to the States. Uh, but you're now living in Colombia. Were you ever nervous about moving from country to country?
1: Absolutely. Like 100%. I feel like I'm just now at the point. <laughs> Five years, six years later, I'm just now at the point where I'm feeling comfortable about moving around. You know, because people can, their living abroad journey can be very different. For me, my first two countries were contracted. So that means, um, you know, within the contract, the companies were the ones who found my housing and got me set up. Like Korea was great in terms of that, like getting set up for the housing and all of those things. So I didn't really have to do a lot of. The grunt work in terms of looking for a place to stay or finding this or finding that Uh, the network of resources in Korea were really awesome. And so I was there for three years. And after I completed my contract, I really wanted to go to Spain. But I was like, what? Go from Korea to Spain without going home? That's insane. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that, but I just thought that it would be really, really difficult to make that move or make that transition from one country to another. So I I went home for about six months before going to Saudi. But when I was in Saudi, you know, it was a really hard time for me because I just felt like, what, how did I end up here? What am I doing with my life? Why, how could I have made such a bad decision? So it was, I had went through a bit of a depression being in Saudi. It was just a lot of bad things, not bad things happening. I was depressed. being there. And so um, I didn't really have a plan because it was sort of last minute, this, you know, decision to get the heck up out of there. But at the time, you know, I was applying to other jobs for classroom teaching and, you know, nothing was really coming up. And I had a friend who was teaching online and she was making at the time she was working full time and making about 2000 a month. And I had actually already done some of the research for coming to Medellin specifically. I had actually gotten hired to teach here, but I didn't accept it for several reasons. Low pay, uh, the contract wouldn't have started for another couple of months. We had to put down like a $400 deposit in order to secure our spot. This was before I went to Saudi. So I had already done the research. I knew the cost of living and things like that. And so I just figured, man, this is like my only, you know... Way to get out and have something else lined up because the last thing I wanted to do, I love my mama, but the last thing I wanted to do was go back home and live with my mama. Like, I, I was not trying to do that. I was a grown ass woman, not trying to have repeat that situation. Yeah, so I applied to this to VIP Kid. That's like one of the most popular online teaching companies out there, but there are so many more. There are like dozens upon dozens. But I applied, got the job and started, you know, making plans to move to Medellin. Now at this time, I'm still in Saudi and I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going to go here to this whole nother country, not know anybody and be broke. And you know and kind of go through a bad situation all over again so I was really freaking out <laughs> I was not confident at all but to moving. be fair
0: I mean to be fair Saudi even I was looking into it too and it's not an easy place to live yeah yeah it really isn't so it's kind of one of those things And but you were open to the experience and you did your best but well, it really is just not an easy place to to live
1: it's it's not. But the research that I had done, I spoke to a lot of black expats there and they they were like, well, my social life is as happening as it was when I was back in Florida or, you know, so the thing, the key about Saudi is a, you have to know that it's different going in. You have to know that. Okay. But you also need to be in a city where there's other people. So my social life eventually when it, you know, dawned on me, my social life was literally me hopping on a plane and going to Riyadh for the weekend or going to Jeddah for the weekend. That's where I met friends. That's where I started, you know, having a social life and hanging out. So during the week it was just like get by just to get by. But yeah, so the the decision to come to Medellin was was terrifying. <laughs> I mean it was really terrifying. I really thought I was like making the dumbest, most ridiculous move ever. And, you know, I got here, planned to be here for three months. This was supposed to be a transition and two years later still here. So it ended up being <laughs> probably one of the best decisions uh that I made but at the time I just, you know, I didn't know. We're, so.
2: uh, we're in the same position. Yeah. I mean yeah. literally I stopped in Chiang Mai on my way to Vietnam and here I am two years later. And Francis and I both teach with a VIP kid part time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. we know exactly. It's almost like we live parallel, similar lives. I went to Japan for nine months and I was supposed to be there for two years. So (laughs) it happens, you know, you just got to be open and flexible. But that's the great thing about being location independent, right? You have that Mm -hmm. flexibility. So absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about that. You are a creative right? And being a creative, you have to be able to tap into the freelance world. How did you start becoming a freelancer and using your skills as a writer to, you know, develop an income as well? You know, we're more than just travel.
0: We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, We have
1: something for everyone. Well, right now, I'm still developing that. So back when I was doing it back home, it was all about networking, Um, either going out to networking events and meeting new people or, uh, you know, getting clients through friends or other people that I know. But being abroad, I'm still like, so this whole term digital nomad, I really don't claim that. I mean, I'm not against it, but I don't really claim that because I kind of stumbled into this. For me, my path to living abroad or living internationally was through teaching ESL. Um, And so it wasn't until I came to Medellin and started teaching online um, that I really became a digital nomad, quote unquote. But yeah, I'm still trying to navigate that whole world of like getting clients totally remotely and Yeah. Getting the work. So but for me, I've found work on Upwork. Uh, I've gotten a couple of clients uh, through that. And yeah, I think most of the work that I've gotten recently was either through Upwork or through tapping into some of my other my older clients and working with them. But honestly, I've primarily been doing teaching up until this point. So every now and then I'll kind of see what's out there for getting work writing work, but for the most part, it's, it's been primarily with teaching ESL.
0: Okay. I mean, you know, even though you don't claim the digital nomad, you know, you can, you know, move someplace else if you wanted to. So that is a possibility for you. Yeah, for sure. So with being a hundred percent digital, you know, for some, and I just want to talk a little bit about creatives because we do get a lot of creatives on the show and we find that uh, a lot of creatives end up traveling and doing the whole nomad kind of expat kind of life. How is it for you being like disciplined and keeping a schedule? Can it be a little difficult? Can you share us with us like how do you, you know, schedule your time?
1: Sure. I feel like it's it really um you have to experiment because sometimes people wanna be like, Okay, well when I was working a nine to five, I worked from this time to this time, so this is what I'm gonna do now that I'm working for myself or that I don't have to be at a brick and mortar job. But it really depends on your your habits. Like, do you work better in the morning or in the evenings? So, playing around with your schedule a lot, that helps. Um, And do you work better, you know, getting down, you know, sitting down for four hours and just hammering things out and working? Or do you need to work in bite-sized pieces, like 45 minutes, take a 10-minute break, 45 minutes, take a 10-minute break. So, it really depends on the person. For me, what's worked most is just having a routine. (laughs) So, you know, writing out your schedule, your to-do list, what you're going to do either the night before the next day or the morning of, that helps me tremendously because I just have so much going on in my head that I can easily, easily, easily get off track. Or, you know, you're getting distracted through the social media or, you know, especially here being in Medellin, it's There's always new people coming here and there's always people who want to hang out or do this or do that. So you can be easily distracted. But I think if you have a routine and you have that set routine, that really helps. And then also just really having the mindset of, you know, not feeling guilty. Just know, okay, if you were, you know, blew off two hours here, just know you need to make those two hours up later. And having that, getting that flexibility mindset in so as long as I've been freelancing, I've never really, I don't mind working weekends, right? When you work a nine to five, you're always like, whew, I can't wait till Friday. I can't wait till Friday at five o'clock. But when you work for yourself, it's just like you make your own hours. You have a ton of flexibility. So working on the weekend is not a big deal because you only worked two hours on Monday or, you know what I mean? It's just super flexible. And as long as you Figure out your own personal method of making sure you get things done. It works. But you really have to experiment with it. I don't think there's like a one method for everybody.
0: So, folks, there's no magic formula. It's just no down and just do it. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any plans on returning to the States and, and living again? Or, you know, is this a broad life permanently for you now? You know,
1: I... I'm open to going back to the U.S. I'm not one of those expats who hates the U.S. Yeah, so it just depends on... What opportunities come come up there? Uh, for now, though, yeah, I'm just out here traveling, trying to see as many countries as I can. I'm looking for a home, though. Like, I'm not one of those people who love to bounce around. I would love to find a place that I could call home, and then, you know, travel from there. I love Medellin, but I don't think it's long term for me. So, yeah, until I find that fix, I'll be I'll be out and about around the world.
2: I totally get it. I mean, it's funny because I found myself anxious because I was like I had no intentions when I left the states mm-hmm. to find a home quote unquote abroad. It was kind of like I had this mindset like I'm gonna backpack. I bought this fifty liter bag. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I found out very quickly that was not my travel style, yeah, so. To have gotten a home where we actually have our items in—I don't know if you want to call it bittersweet or whatever—but it gives me like it's nostalgic. Is it nostalgic? Because it's giving me freaking anxiety. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like here I am packing up my house again. Yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm saying. I Only think, two years later.
1: Hmm. So, so are you saying it—the anxiety of like having to move again or leaving what you were calling home for the last two years? Both. Both. Right? Yeah. Because
2: as travelers, it's really difficult to, how can I put it? We're not complacent people because the world is so big, right? So we're like, where to next? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But once you stay in a place, two, three years, it does become a part of you. It's almost like home. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like ripping yourself again Mm -hmm. from that environment, starting all over. Nine times out of 10, you do, or maybe you don't know somebody in that country mm-hmm. and you may only stay there for a few weeks or you might stay there for another year or two. But either way it goes, you rip yourself out again mm-hmm. <laughs> and you go on yeah. to the next country.
1: But this is so this is what I meant by like Having a mindset around like not feeling guilty with the work schedule, right? So a lot of times we don't really recognize like even before our, uh, I don't know, primary thoughts, right? Even before our actions, it's like our belief systems sometimes that really create that anxiety for us because I felt the exact same way. So I (laughs) I attempted to leave Medellin, going to Mexico, was there for two weeks. (laughs) I was legit telling all my friends here bye. Y'all never see me again. It was so nice meeting you. I'm out. Was supposed to be moving to Mexico, was there for two weeks and legit came right back to Medellin. And that's a whole nother story. Loved Mexico, but it was just bad timing. But the thing that I had to accept was that, because I feel the same way you do, I don't want to be bouncing around. I don't want to live out of suitcase. I don't want to have to keep meeting new people, getting adjusted to this these new surroundings every, you know, so often. But, you know, in moving and prepping for my move to Mexico, I was just like, but you are, okay? So get over it. (laughs) You know, I feel like when we have this resistance, it just makes things so much harder and, and it keeps dredging up like these bad feelings like, you know, anxiety, anticipation, like I'm fear. But I just accept it like in Mexico. Let me give you a prime example. I was in three different cities, at least nine or more different Airbnbs or hotels in a matter of two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, <laughs> wow, <are you> serious? <laughs> that gives me anxiety thinking oh my about God. it. Seriously, and I just had to be—I just had to tell myself this is not what you wanted, but this is this—it is what it is, right? This is what's happening, so just go with it. Like honestly, it sounds like you know a bunch of typical blah blah blah. But when you accept it and stop pushing back against it, I don't know. There's this thing that it's—you still might have the fear, but. You're not consumed with that fear or that anxiety or that, you know, oh, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Like, yeah, you don't know, but you don't have to worry about not knowing. You understand what I'm saying? I know. It's um, get it, yeah. So, I mean, I and I I learned this a long time ago, but, you know, sometimes we forget. <laughs> we forget very often and we have to remind ourselves. But it's just like, for example, sometimes, you know, I have trouble sleeping instead of saying, uh. I have to stay up all night because I can't go to sleep. It's like, okay, well, I guess I won't be going to sleep tonight. Instead of like having this pisosity <laughs> about not being able to sleep, because I know I have to get up early in the morning to teach. It's just like, okay, well, I guess I'll be only be getting three or four hours of sleep tonight. It's just an adjustment. You know, it's an adjustment that you have to make mentally so that it doesn't generate all that anxiety or all that extra stress or all that extra worry um that's not going to change the outcome, regardless right
0: yeah, no, I totally agree with you, and I'm all for uh accepting where things are. It's funny because i'm not very nervous i'm I, I kind of don't mind the whole picking up moving again, picking up moving again, maybe not as frequently i'm I'm still a slow traveler, however, mm-hmm. I get excited with the possibilities of something new and something fresh and new faces new food and new experiences uh so i don't have any anxiety really about going to the next place but even when i was going to japan i didn't have it like i didn't i think i I would
2: feel fine if i packed a bag yeah yeah it's it's the pack and
1: all yeah yeah i I don't
0: know i don't don't feel it man (laughs) i don't feel it it. but that's but that's just my nature because i move around a lot in the states anyway so that that doesn't bother me too much but you're right is when we Really resist against anything that's kind of the its natural state. Yeah. Or warm. That's when we suffer yeah. the most. So, totally so great. where where is home for you? Ah, uh, I grew up in Boston. Oh, nice. Yeah, where are you originally from? Milwaukee. From? Yeah, that's oh, yes, right. Milwaukee with the cheese. The
1: cheese state. That's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cheesehead, dairy state. <laughs> <laughs> so Kenya, you're thirty countries plus deep. Yeah, thirty. What are your top? Yeah three for newbie travelers and why for newbie travelers.
1: Okay. Um, Well, Medellin would definitely be one at the top of the list. I feel like Medellin is a a Google and Go city. (laughs) Like as long as you have Google and Uber... You can really, like, do, you you don't, it's it's not a lot of pre-planning that's required here. I feel like you have to be, you know, aware of your surroundings, like, anywhere you go. But I feel like it's a very easy city to just prop up at a cafe and people watch or, you know, go to Poblado. Uh, The Parque Jettis and uh, Parque Poblado are really uh, popular areas where a lot of the tourists go. You can get around there and walk around and just, you know, pop into different cafes or restaurants or boutiques or hang out at the park. Park. I put that in quotes because their parks are like a block long. It's more like a square than an actual park. Yeah, I feel like um, just Googling stuff to do and then Ubering your way over there is really like the easiest way. Sidebar, though, Google is illegal in Medellin, but it still happens. Um, so just be careful. Sure, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so that that would be my first place to say for newbies, you know, I. It's so hard to say you are you all may not like my answers because they're not very like specific, but it really depends on what you like, who you are, what kind of traveler you are. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's really it's really hard to say. I think if you are kind of afraid of traveling, then, you know, start small and maybe go like Jamaica. Oh, my God. Jamaica. I was going to uh, say Caribbean. Yeah, Jamaica, in I've been there twice. Yeah. Jamaica and Japan are the only two countries or islands <laughs> that I've been to twice. That's just a fun fact, random fun fact. But Jamaica, <laughs> Jamaica. <laughs> the two times I've been, it was just amazing each time. And I feel like that's definitely, especially for black people traveling, that's a great place to go to connect with people because there's no language barrier, right? Like here, um, Colombia Um, I think is the second country that has the largest black population, I think, um, of of, like Afro. Yeah, Yeah. but the problem is there's a language barrier. Um, So it's it's taken, you know, it takes a while. If, If you don't speak Spanish and they don't speak English, it's hard to connect. But I feel like in Jamaica, that's clearly not an issue. And you know where else I would say? I would say Mexico. So I would say start... If you're afraid of traveling or feel like, oh, I don't want to go to a foreign country, start in the Americas because it's really it's close to home. I think you'll find enough similarities that make you feel okay, but then there are enough differences that will keep your interest and, you know, hopefully open your eyes and open your mind. But that's definitely being open-minded, doing your research, not expecting, not going to a whole nother country and expecting them to accommodate you or act like, you know, everybody you've ever known in your whole life. Like, I just feel like that's really important for newbie travelers.
0: Don't act like an American? Well,
1: no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding.
0: Because, you know, there's always like this whole like, well, I didn't order this. <laughs> this. No, no. But, oh, you know, man. the expectations. Because, yeah. listen, man, in Thailand, you get what you get, yeah. okay? Yeah. And don't <laughs> say too many words. And don't <laughs> say too many words. Don't try to change nothing. Yeah. It's just... Keep it real simple, easy
1: breezy. Yeah, just know that you are in fact in another country and that country may not speak a lick of English and that's okay. If that's not their native language, get over it. You know, learn a little bit of the language. And I just mean like, hello, thank you, where is, you know, you have to prep yourself a little bit, but I really think that sometimes new travelers go out and they get pissed that people don't speak English. And it's like, are you serious? (laughs) You're not in an English speaking country. Like, you know, so it's certain things that you really have to wrap your mind around and prepare before you go um, so that you're not as disappointed or shocked or, you know, whatever. But I feel like that's the traveler's responsibility. I really do think that's important.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like, you you know, if you're going to, I mean, it's different if you're vacationing or stay in a resort and it's mostly English speaking area, but if you're really, wanting to do this travel thing, you know, look up some phrases that maybe you can order something or even try and they, they really appreciate they it. They do love it. They do. And then they go off, like, especially when we're out here, we say something and then they go off like,
2: whoa, 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 whoa okay. Exactly. That's
1: what used to happen to me. Well, that's what happened to me in Korea. And that's what even happens to me here in Colombia. I, I speak a little bit of Spanish. I'm still learning. I'm very, very beginner level, but so you all speak Thai.
2: <laughs> oh no. My Thai. Girl, hello. Goodbye. Direction a oh, oh, couple I can say wow. like
0: meat. I can say, you know, a couple of things with food and okay. stuff. But it's the Thai language is difficult it is have so many. It's very tonal. Yeah. Uh so you could just say the wrong thing real fast. Right. Real fast. <laughs> so with the amount of time that you spent abroad, can you share with us a little bit how travel has been transformative for you? So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world.
1: OMG, we do not have enough time for that conversation. Um <laughs> Seriously, Ugh, you know, it's just specifically traveling, solo traveling. It's just hella introspective. It's hella introspective. And I've always been pretty tuned in to like, you know, just I've always had that self awareness of like, what's going on with me, you know, just being in touch with myself, but being abroad, it just, it takes you through the motions because if you're traveling alone, it's a lot of isolation that happens by being a foreigner itself. But also if you don't speak the language, that's even more isolating. Um, so you're dealing with not being able to communicate and then you're dealing with people you're within a culture you know, and you're outnumbered and they don't really relate to your culture. So, you know, if you're not finding people that you can connect with, that makes it really hard getting adjusted around. So a lot of times it's just like like the basics and logistics that can cause, you know, disrupt or, you know, get you in all kinds of emotions. But for the most part, I just really feel like... And again, I hate to sound cliche, but I've, I've learned a lot about myself and dealing with groups and dealing with friends of convenience. Just building a thicker skin in terms of how I move about in the world. And I mean that literally, um, and being okay with myself or being okay being by myself, you know, being okay meeting people that you just don't like. And you're not, I refuse to have friends of convenience anymore. I experienced that in Korea, and I was just like, no, thank you. But, you know, when it's your first country and you don't want to be by yourself, you, you can't really meet people as easily as you used to because you're surrounded by people who don't look like you, who don't speak your language. So, you you know, what I did was I became friends with these people that were not really my friends. And there were people that I would not hang out with if I were back home. And so I'm just really. A,
2: that happens a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, let's not. No, go ahead. Let's talk about dating.
1: Yeah. Oh uh, How has it been? Child, for you? Let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. unless you're really, which I am not, but unless you're like really aggressive, honey. I mean, you know, hello celibacy. <laughs> because oh, I oh, mean, man. I dated. I dated not a lot. I really didn't date a lot in Korea, but I dated a few guys. Not really good experiences. Honestly, it just taught me that guys are the same all around the world for the most part. I mean, really they are. You, you know, you have these high hopes like, you know, and it's kind of goes back to like our own stereotypes about other races and cultures. Like, you know, you're Korean, you're supposed to be good. You're supposed to be a good boy, but no men are men, you know, they really, they want to experience different women <laughs> just like women go to countries to want to experience different It's like the same it's the same so
0: yes yeah, that whole fetishizing yes
1: that we've heard across the board absolutely and, you
2: know take Can it, I take just it say, as you, what? right because as a traveler right and you want to kind of see who's in other countries or whatever because you're heading that to that space or whatever i'm on couch surfing mm-hmm. Right? I don't couch surf, but they have a community of people that you can link up with. Right? When you're in a certain country. Mm -hmm. So I put out a little thing that just said, Hey, my name is Nubia. I'll be heading to Turkey Mm -hmm. for about a month and I'm looking for other like minded female travelers Mm -hmm. to get together and maybe (laughs) have coffee and, you know, check out the country. Oh, Lord. Girl. That opened the floodgates. Br- hello. Do you understand those Turkish men are like, hello they- Nubia. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. They are blowing my couch surfing account up. And yes. I'm just like... Same I didn't ask thing. about men. I said like minded females.
1: Yeah, same thing in Saudi. Same thing in Saudi. I'm so I'm also like you, I go I'm on couch surfing for like the community or networking and what is the other thing called? Internations? I'm also on internations. So that's what I used um primarily along with Facebook groups when I was in Saudi. And that's all I would get just like all the time. These different like Arab men just hit me up. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. But yeah, it's it. I don't know, man. Dating. I'm not the best person to ask for that because it's like, you know, I tap in and out of dating a lot. But I don't know. It's interesting. And in Saudi Arabia for Saudis are dating which they don't really date but they they drop numbers they drop their phone numbers on the ground that's what I was told like by by and other Saudis yeah so like the women the women would walk like through the malls or whatever with their they, they sometimes they leave their purses open and they'll like drop a number in there they'll drop it on the floor and the person picks it up and then you call each other and that's how they and these
0: are single, single guys, Girl, single? Sometimes, oh, sometimes
2: they're
1: married, and this is what I'm talking about. It's like that two-sided
2: oh, Lord. thing,
1: mm. yeah. Um, and that's how they like get connected. Uh, in Saudi, you men and women cannot touch; they can't interact unless it's your husband or brother or some type of family member. So that's why it's kind of like that beat around the bush sort of way. Gotcha, um,
0: gotcha. That whole subtle, yeah
1: wink wink yeah. kind of thing. But dating it's it's really it can be difficult. I feel like when I was younger, "quote unquote," or you know, before I started living abroad, I always like fantasize about how romantic and amazing it would be to date somebody, you know, from another country, but it's kind of difficult because the cultural differences are like they're really spotlighted when you start dating someone. Oh, I was yeah. going to say it's yeah,
0: it's, they're on a different level because I've even heard even just talking to people out here with the other teachers dating. It's just like the culture yeah. is just that's a whole whole other Seriously, factor. Seriously. I mean, the people don't think about. Yeah. I
1: met a Korean American who was uh, teaching in Korea as well. And she was like, yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not interested in dating Koreans here. It's just like every culture has its own little, you have their own little funny quirks. And then when you bring that into the, you know, male, female roles and dynamics of a relationship, it just really changes. So like here in Colombia, you know, it's very machismo here and it's very traditional. You know, a lot of times when I go to these different countries and see how the male-female relationships are. It just reminds me of like the olden days or the more traditional ways of like US culture. So here it's like, yeah, the woman is, you know, the very, uh, you know, feminine and always supposed to be pretty and sexy and cater to the man. And it's really like to get a husband is, is what women are raised for from ground up to be married and taken care of by a man financially. And then they take care of the man and the other ways and having multiple women is a, like a quietly kept, but widely known thing here. So it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's no, it's not easier. It's not easier. You, you open up your options more if that's, you know, what you're into, but it takes a lot of <laughs> thick skin to date. It's just, it's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, a, it, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons I'm like, yeah, let me just take a break from Asia. Yeah. At some point, I mean, I'd like to be on a relationship. Yeah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Did you just really do that? You know what? It's a good thing I'm gonna be editing this episode.
1: But could you can I just tell y'all, okay, th- the thing with the location, men can't even act right when you're trying to do that, though. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't understand. So
1: I mean, you yeah. know, because you're either meeting people from the locals from the place where you are, or you're meeting other expats. I had right. this one expat that I met, he was visiting for a short time. But you know, he kind of turned opened something up in Kenya where I was like, you know what, I might just be down, but men don't know how to act right, so I, I'm gonna need a little bit of act right in order for something to happen. I'm, yeah,
0: yeah. It's kind of like, okay, you know, it's kind of a little barrier to entry right now because you know, there's not a lot going on. It's not a lot of options. Yeah. Still can't even just do, you know. I get it. I get it.
1: But I think no. But yeah, it's it's tough, but not impossible. Like I definitely know people who get into relationships, but unfortunately, a lot of my friends are like, you know, I want to meet somebody and have a start a family now, so I'm gonna have to go back to the U.S. <laughs> you know, because they haven't found the right person. Being abroad, it's a bit, it's a bit tougher when you're when you're really talking about the long term, and if you're really, really concerned with like, you know, meshing well with that person, I think. It gets a little complicated.
0: Yeah, it matters. It definitely matters. So Kenya, what's next for you? You've been in Colombia for two years. Are you staying? I know you said you're kind of like looking for your home. Um, you know, what does that look like? Do you have any idea? What, What's next for well, you? Well,
1: right now it's really just a big question mark. I know I'm definitely visiting Europe. I don't know. I haven't decided yet if I'll be packing my bags to like you know, go there and stay there for a longer period of time, like three months, six months or more. But yeah, I haven't I haven't figured out if it's going to be just a visit and me come directly back to Medellin or if I'm going to travel longer. We'll see. I don't know.
0: Awesome. Well, Kenya, yeah. this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the mm-hmm. show. So one last thing. If you could, you know, give any advice to folks who are kind of on the fence about this abroad life, what would you say?
1: I would just say go for it. You know, you never really know until you try it. And I think things seem a lot more scary. It it's the fear of the unknown. Things seem a lot more scary uh before you actually go. But like I said before, do your research, you know, check yourself in the American, you know, attitude of Expecting everything your way, and then just reach out to people. I feel like now is the easiest time, probably more than ever, to travel and still be able to connect. If that's what you want to do, connect with people from your country or that you could relate to. Uh, Facebook has helped me. Facebook groups has helped me tremendously. Before I went to South Korea, I knew about Facebook groups, but I was never a part of one. I didn't know how they operated, and it's just been really, uh, really useful and resourceful and connecting people and you know kind of soothing your anxiety or fear of this or that but i would say yeah make a plan and just try it out just try it out you never know until until you do it yeah
0: no that's the usually how it works when you're afraid of something you just got to I mean if our it. listeners
2: don't notice a pattern yeah That everybody who is doing it, and we ask the same question at the Mm -hmm. end of our episodes, and what's the same answer?
1: Just do it. Just do it. You got to do it anyway. Yeah, because I mean, otherwise, how do you know? How do you know? So just try it. You can always go back home. Like there, it's not like. It has to be I'm stuck out here. Yeah, no, you always have options. This is the thing that I love telling people. You always have options. You just have to know that and always be like solution oriented. It's not the end of the world if something doesn't work out. It just wasn't for you or wasn't for you at that time. But, you know, don't give up. Even if, you know, living abroad may not be for you, so what? Now, you know, you know.
0: Yeah, solid advice. So Kenya, how can people, you know, connect with you? I know you have a YouTube channel and you put a lot of content out into the uh, internet. So how can people connect with you? Yeah,
1: YouTube is probably the best way to connect with me right now. That's my most visited platform. But I also have uh, Facebook and Instagram, Ms. Wonder Woman. You should be able to find me there as well. But thank you, ladies, so much for having me. I was really excited to do the interview. Thank you.
0: Yeah, this was fun. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.